The Fitness Reborn podcast is a companion piece to Renaissance Fitness personal training. This podcast is to serve as educational and entertainment purposes only. It does not in any way constitute as medical advice. If you have a medical concern, please seek out your provider. Hello and welcome. This is the fourth episode of the Fitness Reborn podcast. My name is Sean of Renaissance Fitness Personal Training, where we put movement ahead of working out. So this episode is going to be called Why Everyone Should Train Like an Athlete or Train Like a Hybrid Athlete, even if you aren't one yourself. So just by um, way of background, I'm going to preface this entire episode on what I'm going to go into, which is kind of telling you what I do for myself personally. So I'm very well known for training in multiple styles and multiple modalities of exercise. Um, so you know, years ago when I caught this bug and I got really into um, working out and staying healthy and staying fit as I possibly can about 15, probably 17 years ago, going on 20 years ago. Um, it started out simple enough just by walking. So, you know, I started walking a lot and walking gradually, very quickly actually, uh, over the course of just a, a month or two, got into cycling. You know, so I got a bicycle or I had a bicycle, uh, maybe two bicycles um, stored in my mother's basement and I started putting them together and started getting them all cleaned up and I got really into one summer of really heavily uh, cycling a lot. So I had a park that I went to and I went around this park a lot. Um, really just about two hours at a time in the middle of the summer. <laughs> So that's how intense it was. Um, I didn't really get into cycling as in like you know, going across town, or going across counties, that sort of thing. Um, really, my focus was just the actual act of cycling itself because I started seeing the benefits that I got from it in terms of losing weight and all that stuff. And it really excited me, so I got more and more into it. But anyway, cycling became jogging and jogging... Um, became all kinds of things. It became martial arts, it became lifting weights, it became power lifting, it became um, Olympic lifting, it became calisthenics, um, it became everything and anything you can imagine. Hypertrophy, which is bodybuilding, all that stuff. So, what I really, uh, what I really like to do for myself and what I emphasize for the people that I train with is that um, what you really want is athletic muscle. So, you know, the body moves in all kind of different, uh, all kinds of different ways, and moves in different through different dimensions, through um, different planes and different um, directions. And you really want to be able to uh, have a body um, that will service you in different, in all kinds of different. Um, all kinds of different ways of movement. So that's what I do for myself and that's what I try to train the people that I work with. So I am 
more or less, and I guess I always have been without even really realizing it until just recently, that I am a hybrid athlete, or what has become known as a hybrid athlete. A hybrid athlete is somebody who, you know, someone who wants to be really strong and lift a lot of weights, you know, and can still run a marathon, basically. So you have a power lifter who can run a marathon, and a marathoner who can run a pop, who can do power lifting. That's what's come to be known as a hybrid athlete, someone who can do just about anything. Um, to me, that makes the most sense because human beings are built to move, and we have to do all kinds of things in order to best maximize our movement. So it doesn't make any sense to just train yourself in one style of exercise at the cost of another, you know, making yourself really good at one thing, but making yourself extremely deficient in the other. Um, that's never, uh, at least intuitively, has never made any sense to me. I just have never, until this point, until this point, been able to put it into actual words to express it. So hybrid athlete is almost like, you know, a very natural fitting um, concept for me to get into because that's kind of what I've always done from the very beginning. So with that in mind, the jumping off point onto this podcast is again, why everyone should train like a hybrid athlete, even if you are not an actual competitive athlete. Now that doesn't mean that, you know, because you're not competitive, it doesn't mean you have to take it to the lengths that a competitor has to do. But you can still reap at least some of the rewards of training in different modalities and different styles, um, and every one of them will give you some benefit in life. So, you know, the question you should be asking yourself in any style of exercise that you're doing, in any movement that you're doing, the central question should not be, will this help me, if you're a regular person, of course, Will this help me bench press 500 pounds? Will this help me, you know, leg press 1,000 pounds? That's not the key question for you to ask yourself as someone who is just trying to get healthy and get fit and to maybe um, avoid injuries and a lot of costly um uh, illnesses down the road. That's not really what you should ask yourself. The central question is, do I stand to benefit from this at all? And if the answer to any of those questions is yes, then you should do it. That's where I come down on. Do I stand to reap any benefit from doing this that is uh, beneficial to me well, that really makes a lot of sense. Do I stand to benefit anything from this that is beneficial to me? <laughs> um, again, the question should be, do I stand to benefit at all from this? And if the answer is yes, in any kind of appreciable way, then you should do it. That's where I come down on. So with that in mind, some of the research that I've done recently on this topic um, involves, you know, muscular uh, strength training, and the benefits, and some of the other things you should you should consider. So the article that I, the main article that I got this from, see if I can find it here real quick. Um, 
comes from this, uh, the main author is, comes from this gentleman who is part of the Department of Human Movement Sciences at Carroll University in Wisconsin. Uh, Wakoski? Wakesha? Wakesha, Wisconsin? Something like that. Um, and his article really intrigued me because, again, it really speaks to how, the kind of philosophy that I have towards exercise myself. So I just want to highlight the article and highlight a few key points here um, from his article. So right from the outset, the, the article goes into saying that the effects of one training carry over into another, which I think that is kind of a given if you know anything about exercise at all. So nothing exists in a vacuum. Nothing, you know, nothing is isolated completely from another. Um, what what you do in one way will carry over and influence something else. So and it's interesting because he starts out by saying that uh, hypertrophy, muscular hypertrophy, which is bodybuilding, it seems to me like what I got from the article is that he's saying that you should start with bodybuilding, basically, as a way to kind of set the foundations for everything else. So for cross-sectional areas and work capacity, bodybuilding is a great segue into uh, greater maximum strength. So, and I think to me that makes a lot of sense because, you know, when you're, when you're doing bodybuilding, the essence of the workouts is relatively low weights with higher rep ranges. Okay, now obviously the central idea behind bodybuilding is to make the muscles larger but not necessarily stronger. So what you're really seeking to do is that you are maximizing the amount of blood flow that goes into the muscles in a given range. Okay, so by doing so, you are increasing your sense of endurance by exercising in such a way. So with the recruitment of red blood cells to the muscles, you know, your endurance, it makes the muscles larger, true, but the cardiac output due to these particular workouts is also increased because you're just you're sending you know massive amounts of blood into this one area here and this will in turn cross over into a greater sense of endurance in the muscles themselves so having a lighter weight you know obviously it's going to take you a little longer to reach you know failure as opposed to picking up a heavier weight so you really have to get in those reps more and more in order to feel that sense of fatigue set in. That sense of fatigue set in. And that sense of fatigue will um, give you, again, a greater sense of endurance in the long run. Okay? So, as I read that, that made the most sense to me. Um... Now, based on the order of recruitment, now it goes into talking about type 1 muscle uh, fibers and type 2 muscle fibers. Type 1 muscle fibers are the uh, aerobic 
you know, capacity muscle fibers. So aerobic capacity means with oxygen. So you're talking about marathon runners and ultra marathon runners, etc. And type two has to do with with that is has to do with anaerobic uh, capacity. So without oxygen. So that is your typical weightlifter, your power lifter, your Olympic lifter, that kind of stuff. Something that doesn't require a, a long sustained duration of oxygen in order to perform. All right. So interestingly enough, though. You know, while you need both the, you know, type one and type two uh, muscle fibers in order to reach, you know, a maximum benefit, uh, it seems that weightlifters seem to people who predominantly do weightlifting seem to recruit more of both type one and type two muscle fibers, just due to mainly the order in which recruitments happen. So you can't get to type two until you get to type one, that kind of thing. So maybe it, maybe what I get from that passage is is within your interest to really focus mainly on weightlifting as opposed to just cardio. That's what I took from it. I can be completely wrong here. You can have a different interpretation, but that's what I got from that. Okay. Now you need cardio, obviously. I'm not against cardio. Um, to me, being against cardio makes absolutely no sense at all. And in my mind, if you want more muscle uh, and stronger muscle, well, you need the cardio too. Think of it like this. Um, cardio makes for a more efficient cardiac output, which means that the blood flow to your body becomes a lot more plentiful and like I said before, you need blood flow, proper and greater blood flow, in order to make the muscles larger. And how do the muscles get larger? Well, like I just said, they get more blood to them. There's the supply of blood, you know, coming from this efficient heart rhythm, um, gets carried over into the muscles and makes the muscles larger. So if, I guess at the end of the day, if you want larger muscles, um, and more muscles, you need to get some cardio in. So, there you go. Uh, periodization. Now, periodization has to do with the timing of certain workouts. Periodization seems to produce greater max strength. So, again, if you want max strength, you have to start with uh, a, a better foundation, which is seems to be, according to this article, um, hypertrophy. All right, periodization is the timing of the exercising programming, and programming and periodization are completely different from one another. Programming is the nuts and bolts of the given uh, workout set, so it has to do with the sets of workouts you're doing, the reps, etc. So it's all the uh, nitty gritty details. Um, going on. Single joint work is not necessarily aligned with athletic ability and athletic diversity. Um, I think, again, that's a, that's a given. Um, the body does not move in isolation from one another. So if you're really wanting a maximum amount of you know, movement and sorry, I'm switching things around, moving things around here, so you might hear a paper in the background. If you want to maximize your ability to move, um, just working um, 
only in single joint workouts maybe is not the best way to go about it. However, you know, working a single joint um, or a single joint workout, single joint exercise could potentially maximize the strength of that. You can get max strength from it, but not necessarily a lot of um, uh, flexibility in movement and greater range of movement. Uh, see, weightlifting and weightlifting derivatives can provide good or greater external external load uh, stimulus, and I guess it can be greater than loads of. It can give you a stimulus greater than the loads of of a one rep max. So, my interpretation of that is that Olympic uh, Olympic lifting, like say a catch and clean, or a clean catch and stuff like that, um, you can get a lot out of that in terms of external load stimulus. But even if you don't do the full uh, range of motion. <laughs> You can do just part part of it, and that will give you a good or greater sense of stimulus to the muscle. That's interesting. I guess the uh, research seems to support that. You wouldn't think so. You think of only doing a partial exercise, but I guess you would. Um, so I guess if you can't do a full range of Olympic lifts, you can just do part of it and you'll get all the same kind of movement, all the same kind of benefit. Interesting. Plyometric, essentially concentric movements contribute to a max strength. All right. Loading obviously is limited because plyometric workouts obviously are ones that happen extremely quickly. Um, so, you know, if you're doing like a plyometric, uh, push-up, plyometric push-up is one where you are launching yourself off the ground. You know, you, you go down to the ground and then you pop back up and then repeat, repeat, repeat. Obviously, it doesn't lend itself to being very good in terms of, you know, adding loads to it to increase max strength. I guess a lot of this article seems to come back to the idea of maximum strength, attaining or reaching maximum strength. Um, now that being said, I'm offering this to you, this interpretation of this article and this research in general, as to say that you don't necessarily have to reach maximum strength. Okay. Now, most people I don't think are looking for, your everyday person is not looking for a maximum level of strength. Okay, we're not talking about competitive athletes here. Um, we're talking about people who just want to be able to move and feel better. All right, so while this, you know, all this research really does speak to just maximizing the capacity of an athlete to reach their full potential, all right, we're really, I am really dealing with people being able to reach their full potential wherever they're at, whether you're an athlete or not, okay? So whether you're a young kid who's just starting out exercising or you are actually an athlete, a college-level athlete or what have you, or you're an older person, you know, 50 years and above, 60s and 70s, you know, obviously your max potential being older or younger than a 
competitive athlete is not going to be the same as that competitive athlete. That being said, just because it's in a different place does not mean it is unattainable to you. So, you know, the, the goal is different for everybody. Okay, the goal is different for everybody. The standards are a little different for everybody, depending on where they are at. Okay, now obviously, you know, things are, you know, different in terms of age ranges, in terms of technical abilities and skills and that kind of thing. They're also different in terms of genetics. Okay, everyone's genetics are a little bit different. Everyone's genetics have different potentials. Okay, so you have to account for that in everything that you do. All right, so... Again, the article deals a lot with athletes, but I'm not talking about athletes, and I'm not talking directly to athletes necessarily. Okay, I'm trying to you know, make this broad and appealing for everybody. Okay. Now, back to plyometrics, which again is a concentric movement. Um, while you are limited in terms of how much volume you can add or how much uh, external load you can add to it to attain your max strength, um, you can maybe compensate that for volume, okay? So if you can't put on the extra loads, you can add the um, reps, and that can maybe help compensate for that. For Sorry. My phone kind of interrupted me there a little bit. Okay. So... Now, on the other side of concentric is eccentric. So that's the stretching out of the muscles. And this can be very helpful in terms of, like, increasing ballistic movements, which, you know, ballistic movements, it's kind of, uh, it's slowly gotten more acceptance, I think, within the fitness industry. I think a lot of people kind of took ballistic movements or dynamic movements as being a little too dangerous for the vast majority of people who are not at their, you know, peak level um, or not a competitive level, uh, competitive level athlete. But I think that has kind of been pulled back a little bit in recent years, and the benefits of working in a more uh, ballistic and dynamic um, exercise has shown to be has gained more approval as being helpful in other ways rather than at competition level. Like being able to jump, suddenly being able to jump out of the way of something if it goes careening towards you, you know, what have you. Okay. So eccentric movements are, eccentric movements in general are helpful. So that's where you are stretching out the muscles. And the article went on to find that if you, say if you're doing like a, uh, barbell squat. If you load the bar to go down to the eccentric motion with heavier weights than in the concentric motion, so if you load the bar up and the athlete takes the bar down, stretching out the muscles, obviously, takes the bar down, and if you remove some of those weights and allow the athlete to come back up, the research suggests that that does help with attaining maximum strength. All right, so there you go. It's interesting. <sighs> Variable resistance training. 
So variable resistance training means um, going back and forth between using machines, free weights, bands, what have you. I think that that's helpful. Um, myself, I'm more partial to free weights rather than machines or bands. Again, because I think that you stand to gain, gain more from having the free weights and really being able to be aware of your body as it moves with these um, with these free weights you now that are not being restrained or being controlled by an outside source okay like a machine and or a cable or anything like that bands I think are fine um, for the most part um, but I think they don't offer quite as much resistance as the free weights do. And also, it looks like being able to be variable in your resistance training may help you get past a sticking point or what might otherwise be a plateau. So, you know, if you're lifting particularly heavy and you've reached a, you've reached a certain plateau and you can't really budge past it, maybe scaling it down a little bit and actually reducing the weight for a time and working with that and then allowing you know your muscle I guess the needed time it, ha it takes to actually regain the strength that it would require to break past that plateau that's what you really need to do so if you get you know kind of pulled down in that sticking point and you can't budge past it for a while, maybe try doing that. Kettlebells. Kettlebells are again in the same way, on the same uh, category as ballistic um, movements. So you're talking about a weighted ball with a handle attached to it. Um, again, it's in the same category as the free weight. and um, You can use it in multiple purposes. Um, it's great for core strength, it's great for grip strength um, especially. The only problem with that is that you know the larger the weight the bigger the handle gets so you know if you're talking about someone who's maybe a little bit smaller and doesn't have very large hands <laughs> even if they can theoretically get the weight off the ground and use it you know just getting their hand around that handle and being able to actually grip it properly and not have the thing go flying all over the place, that might be an issue, but you know, that's kind of a it's kind of a weird issue. Okay. So in training to failure, um, training to failure according to the research has not really shown to give any more maximum benefit than not training to failure. So that's that's really interesting. So you know the fitness industry, it's been pretty dogmatic about the idea of training to failure, especially when it comes to bodybuilding and things like that. Um, a lot of the prevailing wisdom is that if you if you train to failure, you're pushing obviously the muscles to failure, and then they have to be forced into actually growing and improving. Um, I still think there might be something to that. I mean, it seems to like on an intuitive level, it seems to make the most sense. But um, 
research, this research apparently coming from this article saying that when it's weighed together, training to failure, weighed together with not training to failure with two different uh, groups of athletes, didn't really yield a whole hell of a lot of a difference. So, it's good to know. So, those of you who don't like training to failure, and I don't always like training to failure, maybe that's uh, encouraging news. Um, combination training. Combination training, again, goes along with the idea of the hybrid athleticism. Um, you know, I guess if you really want to get really broad and theoretical about this, you know, human beings, before the idea, before the fitness industry ever existed, before there was anything like a gym or um, a training center or any of these other controlled environments that people like to go to, myself included, um, there was only ever the outside world. There was nature, there was um, mountains, woods, and rocks and trees and things like that and you had to be able to navigate your way through these things and to a certain extent these are still used I mean obviously you know people in the military they are especially if you're getting to elite forces they use uh, the outside world and the outdoors all the time to train their people because they know they have to be able to use these skill sets they have to be able to um, move and uh, navigate their way through um, diverse environments and you don't get that through just working out in the gym okay I like the gym gyms are necessary but um, in that way they are limited okay so combination training to above and beyond that you know being able to run really well being able to move your body, having flexibility, having mobility, um, and to be able to be strong enough and to have a sense of, what's the word? I have to, I know this word, but I have to practice it because, you know, I don't use it often enough to really be able to say it just off the top of my head. So, um, proprioception. Yeah, there we go. Proprioception, which is the idea of being able to, um, be aware of your body as it's moving, all right? Really, this is what this uh, all this research really comes down to, and really, I think that is what it emphasizes the most, is that the proprioception element of exercise um, should be, in, should be uh, considered above and beyond anything else here. So at the top of the broadcast, I said that um, Renaissance Fitness, we emphasize movement over working out. So movement over working out means that you know we emphasize being able to properly move over just doing workouts for their own sake. Okay? So you know I can do you know single arm curls all day long and just do nothing but that. Um now, will that make my arms big? Yes, it will. Um, inevitably, it will, because I'm isolating that um, that muscle group. But overall, is that going to do me any favors? Not really. Is that going to help me run any faster? No. Is it going to help me um, jump any higher? No. Crawl? 
No, or even to, you know, even to squat down and pick something up without throwing my back out. Um, probably not going to help me very much in any of those areas, but I'll have big arms. So, you know, proprioception um, and being able to know where you are and where your body is at a given time in a given space is, to me, the utmost um, of the utmost importance. Um, I would also like to say that doing any of these workouts, and especially in doing them in um, tandem with one another, this will increase things like neural development. Okay, so the more the more diverse you are, the more your body will um, create neural connections. Your brain will connect neural connections, stronger neural connections with your muscles, and your muscles will. Um, and your body will be a bit more effortless in its movements. And that's really what we're after here, especially if you're an older person. And I talked about before how older people, you know, are very susceptible to falling down, which is a, one of the leading reasons, leading um, causes of preventable deaths among older people. It's just the lack of awareness or the lack of... Um, the lack of any real connection to the outside world that comes with growing older um, and therefore growing more feeble okay so if we if we really enhance the um, proprioception of, of exercises of movements then I think everyone is better off in the end okay. so I want to end this by saying that Research shows that even older, weaker, or less skilled athletes can benefit from you know high, um, high, highly intense workouts, ballistic workouts, and weightlifting workouts, um, and because it is known that they are beneficial to anybody, regardless of where you are and where you're at. Now you want to use caution and common sense of course but they are beneficial to everybody and therefore they should not be excluded from any training program all right so regardless of where you're at where your skill set is where your age group is um, what your um, current state of fitness is you only stand to really get better from engaging in I guess what we can call it maximum level strength. And like I said before, whatever that is, is different according to who you're talking to. All right. So that's really about all I really had for this podcast episode. Um, so at the end of the day, Everyone should train like an athlete, even if you're not one, okay? Train like one, think like one, and condition your body to be able to handle life. I guess I'll end it there. Your body should be conditioned to be able to handle life. All right. All right, well, that concludes this uh, podcast episode. Um, my name is Sean from Renaissance Fitness. 
And um, I hope you enjoyed the listen. And uh, if you have any feedback, don't hesitate to tell me. And uh, you have a wonderful day. And I'll talk to you soon. Peace out. Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget, you can become a supporter of the show by becoming a monthly subscriber. No commitments. Cancel anytime. Every little bit helps. And I'd sure love your support. Also, you can click any of the links to our social media platforms provided in the show notes, and you can email me at renfitnesswarriors at gmail.com. That's ren, R-E-N, fitnesswarriors at gmail.com. If you got a fitness story to tell, I'd love to hear it. And you never know, you might just find yourself on the show. Until next time, train hard. Peace.